0: Hey everybody, welcome to Game Off Podcast. This is episode 48. I'm your co-host Brent, a.k.a. Arcadia, along with...
1: Andy, a.k.a. Solid Talker. Hey Andy. Hi.
0: <laughs> today we're going to be <laughs> talking about <laughs> Evil Genius. <laughs> the
1: second I take a sip of tea, it's when you jump back. I'm expecting, <laughs> like, oh he's going to go into the games, I'm safe to take a sip of tea right now.
0: No, no games today, Just, just, just chit-chat. <laughs> Checking in on the weather. Just trying to get <laughs> me to
1: spew on my mic.
0: <laughs> yes. Um. Oh yeah. What are we talking about today? <laughs> evil Geniuses Two. I fucked myself up. Evil Geniuses Two. <laughs> e- not single singular, right? Evil Geniuses. Yeah. Just 2. one
1: evil genius, but the second of that singular
0: evil genius. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. Evil Genius Two. Nailed it. And Narita Boy. Uh. But first, Cyberpunk 2077. They just had their earnings call and. There's been a lot of talk about you know profits, them not being on the PlayStation Store still, blah blah blah. Um, we took a look at all that and the roadmap for the next year and a half. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's been a lot of great articles on the topic already, so we're not gonna hammer you with with same takes that you could read anywhere on the internet. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go back in time a little bit. Uh, so. Really, what's what's been interesting about all this is obviously they're not making the money they thought they would. Uh, they're still not on the PlayStation Store. They got taken off over six months ago. And Gosh, has it
1: been that long?
0: Yeah, December 18th. Wow. And it, we're, it feels
1: like it was both just yesterday and like 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> like we're <laughs> yeah. talking
1: about the No Man's Sky launch.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and No Man's Sky's bounced back, and that's what a lot of people are hoping from Cyberpunk, but uh, unlike No No Man's Sky, they, came, they seem to be keen to, you know, promise things, and they promise <laughs> them in very, very generic terms, so it's almost like they're not actually promising anything, allowing us to, you know get continue the hype or continue the hope i i'm I'm still hopeful that this ship's gonna turn around obviously a lot of people have had a great experience with this but looking at their roadmap for the next year and a half all it really says is free dlc coming soon next gen patches coming soon and that's it that's it it says (laughs) the second half second half of the year so that's like that's anywhere between now and the end of the year, and we know they're not great at making timelines. Um, how how did we get here, Andy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like uh, it's almost like we're doing a post mortem while we're still analyzing the dead body. We're still doing the <laughs> autopsy and also trying to, because it's still. We're still in that position where maybe they can turn it around like Hello Games did. Although as you pointed out, Hello Games went in the right direction of just kind of putting their head down and at some point releasing a huge series of patches to bring yeah. the game into an entirely different world than it was what was it, twenty sixteen when that came out?
0: I think so, so around
1: five then. Five years ago. Yeah. Where Go ahead.
0: I was just saying, they're still to this day releasing huge patches and supporting that game. But so far, there was
1: a there was a huge or there's a a preview for their next patch that just came out, I think, earlier today. Yeah, it was Prisms. Prisms. Yes. Prisms. Yeah. That looked really fucking cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm more interested in that game. I haven't played it, but I'm more interested in that game now than ever because they've taken this route of just, hey, here's more content. And eventually it sort of worms its way into your mind like, oh, that actually sounds interesting now. Cyberpunk has sort of just gone the opposite route of, hey, in the next three months, we're going to have patch 1.1, which is going to be a bug fix patch. And then patch 1.2, which is going to be a a bug fix patch. So realistically, so it's been about three months since the last patch. Uh, What do we expect from another patch in, you know in the next month or so. Uh, it's not going to be all of those things that they're promising for the future, free DLC, next-gen patches, because they probably have a realistic roadmap of it. The, the roadmap for the next six months looks pretty fucking dry, doesn't
1: it? You know, it, this this is the kind of thing that I think it bugs me with, with studios like CD Projekt Red. Uh, there's some There's some story I remember here, it's like some parable about two boxers. And if you've heard of this before, if I'm telling it horribly wrong, please stop. But there's two mm-hmm. boxes, one of which is a is a professional boxer who's doing really well, and he's playing like he's doing like a local fight against some extremely poor man in the town who's put his you know everything that he owns up uh, you know as part of the uh, bet on this fight, and mm-hmm. his whole reasoning for doing that is basically that he needs to win this fight. Because everything he owns is on is riding on him winning this fight against the champ. Okay. And I feel like that's kind of where we are at with a lot of these. Because I think of games like, uh, you know, games like Terraria or Dead Cells or Stardew Valley. These games that come out from these smaller or unproven studios, and they have to work. Yeah. They've put all of this time and money into a game, and it has to succeed. And everything they do beyond that is to ensure its success because they need it to keep going. Whereas you have games like, um, like Cyberpunk or like Fallout seventy six <laughs> that, or Anthem or Destiny two, where like, oh well, you know, if it doesn't work, there's some stuff we can move around to the balance <laughs> sheet. We can look at things. We can project this. We can push these losses off to
0: sell yeah. ourselves to Microsoft.
1: Yeah, there's there's a billion different ways that they can work their sums out of it because they have enough money to fail. Yeah. And so, like, oh yeah, we released a broken game, but like, here's a roadmap. Here's a roadmap. <laughs> what we're gonna do? And I mean, how did that work for Anthem?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anthem, what now? <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and but I think what where you were more trying to go with it was that that disconnect between the hype and what was delivered, right?
0: Yeah. I, I just I don't understand why they even try to have a roadmap. They they said they're gonna support the game. They said stuff's gonna come out. Then they show us this fucking roadmap when they know people are like dying for any bit of information and they keep giving this non-information to people that's just more more to facilitate hype than it is to actually like you know manage expectations amongst the community like it would be a lot better if they did what they were they said what they said about re-entering the playstation store which was literally like Oh, we'll be back on there eventually. We're in talks to do that. Like that that's what you need to say about the development process. Like, we're really sorry this didn't work out. Like please like try us again in the future. (laughs) Like not not like, oh, look forward to patch one point three, which is more bug fixes and some of those side quests that were broken we've finally gotten around to fixing. It's I, it, it, like, I, I have no interest. I was really, really excited for more patches to make the game more stable, but as I waited for more patches, the patches are what lost me. It's like, why would I re- start playing again on patch 1.2? There's literally, all the notes are just fixed a bug. Fixed a bug.
1: This is where I think, you know, it, and I don't know if anyone will ever, if it'll ever really catch on, but that whole movement of patient gaming just yeah. like, wait for the Game of the Year edition to come out. Wait for the, the Platinum edition <laughs> yeah. to come out. Because they'll have ironed out as many... They'll have done whatever it is they're going to do. And then you'll be buying the complete game. Whether it's fixed or not, you'll at least have all of the patches.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, is it in the, the public zeitgeist anymore? Like, maybe not. But also, you're playing the best version of that game. So, right. So, I guess... You Although, know.
1: public zeitgeist is, a, is an interesting point that you make. Because I feel like Cyberpunk dropped hard out of the zeitgeist by like late january early february of this year like it was just no one was talking i I, I feel like fall guys and among us stayed within the consciousness longer than than cyberpunk
0: yeah no you're you're not wrong even by the time like all the game of the year stuff came around it was like cyberpunk really (laughs) i thought we collectively just hated that game and then moved on
1: it's shocking how quickly that like it was such a the year leading up to it was nothing but hype and people arguing about the hype and people (laughs) trying to dehype and deflate the hype and then it comes out and then it was reactions arguing about the reactions trying to actually everyone giving their own hot takes or giving like here's the real truth of what's going on here's (laughs) i'm not going to go into the hype here's what's really the game's really like and then like a couple of gifs most of which were gifts of bugs and the game not working properly, and then nothing. Yeah. So maybe maybe this roadmap is like, that's it. Like, look, hey, guys, please start talking about us again.
0: (laughs) Please. I mean, you don't have any reason to. We're not giving you a reason to talk about us, but remember (laughs) remember how hyped you were before the game came out?
1: (laughs) And I I do. It reminded me of Battleborn, that level of hype and then (laughs) disappointment. Oh, yeah. I'm still carrying that torch. I loved that (laughs) game. game I mean, Randy's never going to give me a call back but I still I missed that game.
0: Well, oh, you're, you're the only one.
1: And I think I may have been one of like five people who was hyped for it as well. It's not like it was the biggest game open either. Oh,
0: that's not true. I I played the beta and then I also bought the game at $60 and much to my chagrin cuz I played it like three times after that and was like this this doesn't work. None of this works. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, poor Battleborn. Yeah, I- I'm gonna be shocked as to where Cyberpunk is in a couple of years, like where if people are still talking about it, if it's because I'm sure that there are those other moments in gaming history of a huge amount of build up to nothing, or to huge disappointment that I just can't think of off the top of my head right now.
0: I mean, yeah, you already said one of the other ones, Anthem. I think there was not not quite this much because I thought I think people thought Cyberpunk was gonna changed the way we gamed right and everyone just thought anthem was going to be a return to form for bioware after you know some stumbling and whatnot
1: yeah and i guess i mean maybe andromeda mass effect andromeda was probably a, a bit of a drop after you know a similar situation although i feel like i heard more positive reviews of andromeda than i did of cyberpunk (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, that's probably few uh, true, because the most you could say about uh, Andromeda was that it's not as good as the other Mass Effect games. And right. It's still a good game, but people hated it because it wasn't as good as the other Mass Effect games.
1: Yeah, and you're coming off of the everything that happened with Mass Effect 3 and then the DLC for Mass Effect 3. Yeah. That's
0: a lot, rough. A surprising amount of people didn't like Dragon Age Inquisition either, just because it was like... Sort it, it. It's sort of the the ultimate melding of everything Bioware does. I loved Inquisition, but people's argument was that you know Dragon Age started off as very tactical, different sort of game, and now Inquisition's mm. just like like Mass Effect but with swords, and it's kind of kind of fair in a lot of ways, especially because they used that engine and even a lot of the map icons for Andromeda, and you barely like noticed the difference. <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't know. Anyway. What's your take on on cyberpunk? What do you What do you think? What do you think about that hype? Whose Whose fault is it? is it? Yours? Is it mine?
0: I, yeah, I, I'm somewhere in between. I I keep thinking that one day I'll just, you know, go on Twitter and they'll be like, "Oh, next gen Next gen's here! Like, you can finally use fucking HDR in the game." and we're, we're adding new quests and all this stuff and, and keeping the game alive, really. And I, I, I leave the game. I don't buy many disc-based games, but Cyberpunk was one that I have. So it just sits in my Xbox disc drive, <laughs> and I always see it in the disc drive. And I'm, like, obviously I'm not consciously thinking this, but <laughs> it's like, uh, today may be the day. Who knows? <laughs> but really, that's that day is probably so far out, and I need to just take that out and free up some... Some dashboard space because that's probably a more a real uh, a better use of my time. Yeah, probably mental bandwidth. Anyway,
1: I'm I'm hoping for that game of the year edition sometime because I, I it I want to play it. It's something that I I want to play. I was just I was hesitant when it first came out because of my having been burned by new release games before, and yeah. then there was so much mixed opinion on it that I was like, well, I'm definitely not getting this right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that Game of the Year edition isn't in five years. Cause no. Even the Witcher Three DLC that was like what nine months out of piece, and so basically two and a half years after the game had released, there was a the Game of the Year edition.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard people talking about uh, was Blood and Wine being on its own, like you could consider it one of the best games ever made. Yeah, Not even yeah. if you, even if you strip away the Witcher Three from it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard that too. So praying for that level of polish and. uh <laughs> and uh, turn around for cyberpunk.
1: Ah, that'd be neat. That'd be yeah, neat.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that that pretty much wraps that up. Should we uh, jump right into Evil Genius 2? Sure can do. Let's fucking do it. What do, what do you got?
1: So, Evil Genius, as with nearly everything that I talk about here, I need to give a bit of history first. A little history lesson. <laughs> so...
0: Back I'm here for in, it. You're, you're,
1: this, this is where this is people, what people come for. They come to hear me <laughs> give video game history lessons. Unc-
0: Uncle Andy's grand tour of the annals of video game history.
1: Back in 2004, um, one of the heads of Lionhead Studios formed his own studio called Elixir Studios, and I'm sorry, he did this in. Two, in 1998. But in 2004, this studio that that emerged created a game called Evil Genius. And Evil Genius was a base building tycoon game in the reign of, um, what's it called? Dungeon Keeper, if you've ever played that game way back in the 90s the evil genius game is at the time and and the evil genius Two as well is you are running an evil genius base you are the titular evil genius and you are building out your base your control rooms your uh barracks your armory your cafeteria for all your minions and building traps to keep secret agents from coming in and fucking your shit up and Mm. sending your minions out on missions to eventually build a doomsday device and take over the world
0: so this, this would have come off of the wings of, like, Black and White and Black and White 2, not not Fable Lionhead, right?
1: Correct. This would have been, i um, trying to think of what was around at that time. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I think 2003-2004 is Black and White in the first Fable. Okay. I think, Yeah? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think sounds so. right.
1: That sounds well. Let's go with that. Let's go with yeah. that. Black and white and Black and white and Fable, I believe, both came out before Evil Genius. So you're in that you're in that golden age of Molyneux, the the age that <laughs> that everyone looks back and is like, man, he he was pretty good. He knew what he was doing.
0: <laughs> what happened?
1: But so this game came out in 2004, a kind of a cult success, very popular among the people who liked it, and it was. It did a great job with a theme and with a style of a 1960s spy movie. Mm. The music was beautifully orchestrated and it sounds like an old Bond movie with that kind of theme in the background. All of the items and and characters and scenery and everything was designed with that in mind. Mm. And it it nailed it. It did an amazing job. And then the, the thing just kind of fell apart. Back in, I think, 2006, 2007, Rebellion bought the IP, and did nothing with it for quite a while. At some point, there was a Facebook game that came out, I want to say like 2009, 2010, back when there were games on Facebook, if you remember Mm. that. And it did nothing. And then last year, I'm sorry, not last year, 2019? I think whenever our first E3 coverage was, was when they dropped during the PC gaming show the trailer for Evil Genius 2 by Rebellion.
0: Yeah, I vaguely remember this. Yeah.
1: And and I think at the time, it's all I wanted to talk about during our E3 coverage. It was all <laughs> I cared about. Because it came out of nowhere. I had no idea this was coming. And then suddenly, bam, Evil Genius 2. My mind is blown. And, the, and it's looking exactly like everything you wanted from that first game. So that's where we are now. And that's kind of the history lesson. To, to just to give you what my emotional connection to this so, game was, and, and how much I was into this game, and how excited I was for it.
0: Do you know if this is part of THQ now? Because they have a lot of grand plans for uh, resuscitating a lot of dormant and near-dead IPs like this.
1: Oh uh, no, this this is fully owned by Rebellion. Really? A so this of... this is part of Rebellion's, and they also, because I think Rebellion also owns um, the AVP series for yeah. games they own Judge Dread for like actually actually like the comic books of oh, Judge Dread. Weird. Yeah, they've got they've got some interesting properties that they own and then putting out a new zombie army game every 6 months. I <laughs> think and that's where they get most of their money. <laughs> <laughs> so Evil Genius 2 comes out and it's very similar gameplay. It is a top-down strategy tycoon type game if you've ever played like 2 Point Hospital or uh, um, the movies oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that, that are like this Mall Tycoon it, they're all kind of play in, in a similar way with a similar loop of you have a small amount of money to build a small amount of starter rooms for your evil genius and his minions you build a control center you build barracks you build places to feed people uh, Which what is that called? A cafeteria that's the word <laughs> I'm looking for <laughs> you build uh, a, an infirmary to medic people up and you as you're building this up you get more of these little workers that come into your base and you, with them you can start training them up to be more specialized things to be scientists to be guards to be more important kind of guards to be um, people to help uh, people to distract it, and work your cover operation to keep the secret agents from finding out about your base and that's kind of the general loop as you're doing that you earn more money that you can do to use to research more items to build with and more rooms to build in those items build those items to store
0: interesting so is is there much of like a action sort of aspect of the game
1: there is some but it's more of a passive thing so uh oh one thing i didn't touch on the your base or the stuff that you're building kind of serves two purposes there's your base which is doing all of your evil minion stuff and then there's also a casino okay and the casino is what keeps tourists and spies out of your base ah. <laughs> and so you need to keep the casino running you need to keep people distracted so that they don't go wandering into your base and end up getting killed part of that <laughs> is like Hiring valets and and blackjack dealers and and people to sing and sing on stage and things like that to it, as distractions for people, and the other part of it is building traps, and the traps are all comical. You know, a uh, a punching uh, what do you call it? A punching punching glo-? boxing glove. Fuck's sake, <laughs> a boxing glove comes out of the wall and punches an agent in the face, and that's a trap. <laughs> or a big fan in the wall that blows them down the hallway,
0: <laughs>
1: and you. None of this
0: is, is suspicious to them. Just like, oh, I better not go down that way.
1: Well, that, that's where that's what you would set up, you know, through the, the doors in your casino that lead into your base. So mm-hmm. you, once they've made it that far, if they make it to that hallway, then here's where you actually want to start doing physical damage
0: to them. Uh, okay. Fair enough. But a lot yes, of it yes. is
1: is setting up, and you're kind of passively watching what's going on in the base, and then, oh, okay, that task is done. Let me... Assign these people to new things. Let me reallocate the resources I've gotten from that task, and then watch as new things happen. Watch for things that I need to react to.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I was thinking more along lines about how, like, games like The Sims sort of have things you can't have to actually deal with, like fires and stuff like that.
1: Oh yes, so that can happen. You know, things can break down that need to be dealt with. But the larger thing is getting attacked by spies or super spies.
0: Okay, super Sp- spies.
1: Spies are just general people that come into your base. You know, they're just kind of generic minions from from these <laughs> uh, the, the fictional equivalent of like MI six or the CIA. Yeah, I think they're called like Hammer and uh, I, can't, I can't remember the names of any of those right now. But one of them is called Hammer, and they're, they're just like the justice agencies from the different regions of the world. But each. Region also has like a super spy who is a named character and a named person that is based on some trope from 60s and 70s action movies. Mm. Like, the one that I, I got most frustrated by was this one who's basically for the um, South American and, um, yeah, I guess the South American region of, of the world. And their super spy is this like crime fighting luchador. <laughs> and so he he can come into your base and he just fucks shit up royally and so you need to get him out of there with your guards and your souped up guards and things like that and your your own um sidekick henchmen that you that there's a bunch of different psychic henchmen that all have different abilities and and are also based on stereotypes from yeah. those kind of movies the the one that i use a lot is eli barracuda he looks like he should be from you know, uh, a 70s black exploitation film.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: <laughs> Big Afro, long pistol, white suit. But there's also, this, there's one that's a samurai, and um, it's all over the place. Okay. With those kind of trope characters. And that, that's when the action, the kind of the active responding to things going on happens, is when people are infiltrating your base, when cert- because of certain things, like almost like in RimWorld, where someone wasn't where they should have been to fix something. Mm-hmm. And so now things are cascading wrong. Did that, did that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, good. No no follow-ups. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, good. I wanted to give you that opportunity for follow-up. <laughs> so the game works really well on a lot of... Uh, on, uh, for the broad strokes, it works extremely well. Where I th- where some stuff falls apart is where, like with a lot of these games, and, uh, and again, something that I feel like I've harped on about a thousand times is where it brings in things from the old game Because they're familiar, but not because they make sense in a modern game. Mm. Or where they implement a system that doesn't really make sense. Do you have an example? For example, one of the things that you need to do is there's a big globe or world map that you send minions off to do certain missions. And the minions don't come back. So you've got 150 guys in your area and this mission in argentina requires six guys to complete so you send six guys out and that's just now you're done 144 guys and those guys you you get new minions on a tick every couple of minutes okay to replenish you on the when you're on your base management screen you know view you can assign minions to different tasks Almost like in a, a dwarf fortress or a rim world. Like here are all your people. I'm gonna assign these guys to work in this room at the guard table. I'm gonna the, send these, these guys here to work in the training room training people, and these guys here are gonna stay primarily in the infirmary healing healing people. Both mm-hmm. seem like good systems. Makes sense to so make sure you have full coverage. The problem is when you're assigning when you're sending off guys from to, you know, go do that mission in Argentina, you have no control. Over which six guys are being sent. Oh. so you just you just randomly lost six people.
0: Okay, so I, I guess I do have a question on that because I was gonna ask if you could train minions and you have you know better minions or worse minions. Yeah, you um, absolutely can and do. Oh, okay, so that's weird.
1: And each each minion has two random traits assigned to it that yeah. affect what what things they may or may not be good at. It might make them better at being a medic or might make them better at defending the base or better at distracting people. But again, you have no control over who gets sent out on a mission. So it makes the whole thing of them having individual traits and assigning them to things seem futile because you're sending people out on missions constantly.
0: Mm.
1: The missions take a couple of minutes to complete and you're running three or four at a time. Okay. So it so doesn't even
0: prioritize like unassigned minions or anything like that
1: not that i've ever seen or understood
0: okay so like it's weird
1: it's it's two systems that that make sense on their own but the way that they were tied together you look at oh that that doesn't make any sense why would you do that that way that's just that's just bad (laughs) that's just a bad idea
0: yeah sounds bad
1: yeah, and a lot of just little little things like that, little systems that don't quite work together, weird hmm. interface things that, you know, you wonder why they laid out the buttons this way or why I have to click through six times to move this table from one side of a room to another. <laughs> and a lot of concepts that they don't explain to you effectively. So, like, the way that, that you go through the tutorial and the tutorial is incredibly long. It's very comprehensive, but it's incredibly long. They talk to you about like, all right, let's set up an infirmary, and your infirmary should be, you know, eight squares by eight squares, and it'll have five doctors' beds in there. And then let's set up a, uh, a cafeteria, and it should have four tables in there. And they, you, know, they set up these big rooms, but that's the most inefficient way to use your space, because that means that anytime your minions want to eat, they all have to go to one central area, hmm. and it's far more efficient to build little pods all around your base. Of like one table and one doctor bed and one bed for them to sleep in, and, and then cut they're down just, on
0: break time. Yeah, cut down on break minions. and cut
1: down on travel time between their break and where they are. But that's not a concept that they ever explain to you. you. You have, um, or you have things like you have your control room, and you have to build these little radio transmitters, and the amount of radio transmitters you have determines how many missions you can be on concurrently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there are certain things like the the doctor's um, the, the doctor bed where you have to have someone working that doctor's bed for anyone to heal in it. Or like the research machines to research new, new science. You need to have a scientist working that research thing or else it doesn't work. So there's, there's a reason to train people up and assign them to there. The command center works without anyone being there, but you can't not assign people to it. So whether or not people are actually sitting at, the, at their desks working does not affect how much how many missions you can go on or what its output is. But you still need to have people there. Like, you can't <laughs> just close the room off. So you're just constantly burning people in that room to do nothing of real consequence. Uh... Just weird little things like that that kept it from being a great game.
0: Mm. Sounds like it could uh, benefit from a little more design.
1: It could benefit from a little bit more design. I think it probably could have used a couple more months and uh, to abandon some ideas that they had kept around from the previous games. Okay, it's it's very good. It's a very fun game, and I think if you were going to, if you were interested in this series. It would make sense to get Evil Genius Two over Evil Genius One. Like, I would not recommend people go back and play the old one when this one exists. Yeah, this is clearly the better game.
0: <laughs> but not not, not story oriented games. I'm guessing. No,
1: no, it, the story is very <laughs> very thin. But it, it is you know, it and it's been you know six years since the first. No, I'm sorry, sixteen years since the first one came out. So there's not you know, it's a huge jump back. There's every reason to go with this one, but it's still. It's a tough recommend, mm. and I think if I didn't have the nostalgia attached to it, I wouldn't have felt, I wouldn't have excused it for as many things as I did.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: as if I were a lot of the games that we've talked about.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'll yeah, we'll touch on that soon myself.
1: <laughs> did you have anything else on it? Because I think that kind of covers where I, my thoughts
0: yeah, I don't think so. Uh, that that pretty much covers it. I've, I've never played either game in the franchise. I, it sounds fun though. I there's there really aren't enough games with that aesthetic and vibe.
1: No, there really aren't. I, I can I can think of a handful that have ever come out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think that's that's my one hope for the um, uh, the the I O James Bond license. Oh, yeah. I really hope they they don't do a, like a futuristic one. I hope they go back in time. Do that really, really classic aesthetic, and they have like real. They keep it real simple. Have like simple gadgets, stuff like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that I I really like the sound of that style. I don't know if the game sounds like it's for me. So well, I, you know what
1: you do? Yeah. Go listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, because I believe the the Evil Genius soundtrack is on Spotify, and it is fucking great. Yeah. Okay. There is um. Oh gosh! I, there's one song that plays over the map screen from the original game, which is just this great, like, spy theme, like very you know very spy themey, very uh, people looking at like in the war room, yeah. And I and my old roommate and I had that song on loop for like six hours while playing Axis and Allies, <laughs> the board game,
0: and it's just perfect this mood music awesome. for it. Yeah, it was great. Oh god. Oh god. Do you remember Spy Hunter? What happened to that?
1: Oh my god, that's... You know what? I just saw something about that series.
0: No. No one's talking about Spy Spy, Hunter except
1: No, no. Spy Hunter and Paperboy have a combined comic book.
0: Huh? (laughs) Yep. Spy Hunter... What did you just say?
1: (laughs) DC, four days ago, announced a Spy Hunter and Paperboy miniseries written by Larry Hama.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I can't even picture this. I guess, guess I'll you- just have to wait for it.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Does the
0: paper boy get the spy hunter vehicle and he becomes this spy hunter oh. and he's just Who shooting knows? paper? Oh, okay.
1: Who knows? But I'm very
0: the- interested, need to say.
1: <laughs> this is a spy hunter paperboy comic coming out June first. A six-issue miniseries, so, like, here's oh, some free publicity for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Out came out yesterday.
0: Yeah, holy shit. Okay, well, I know what I'm doing after I hang up this call.
1: <laughs> that's what we're covering for the for the game off next week.
0: <laughs> Comic off. Get ready, boys.
1: Was there a Spy Hunter movie?
0: Uh, I don't think it ever came out. It was supposed to be with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Was it? Yeah, he was attached to that film for a long time, and then that... That was probably early on in his career, because that was not that long. I think it was announced when the GameCube game came out, and then the GameCube game sucked, and then the, the Spy Hunter movie just faded off into memory.
1: Oh, that was supposed to be a Paul W.S. Anderson film as well.
0: Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> what a... <laughs> Spy Hunter, man. I, I don't know how you get legs, but you're, <laughs> you're, tr- you're trying your damnedest.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at an article here from from 2008 talking about the bi- the big screen adaptation of Spy Hunter. Th- that the slash film says last year it was announced that Universal had hired hack director Paul W. S. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is absolutely not fair because at that time he had, well, actually, I'm I'm looking at what he had put out at that point, and it wasn't great. <laughs> Not that what he's done since is much better, but more. I, oh, you know what? No, Event Horizon's great. I, I will stand by Event Horizon.
0: <laughs> we all we all have our tastes.
1: <laughs> and Death Race is a modern masterpiece.
0: Oh, no, Death Race is a movie I can get by. <laughs> we, see, he did that come out after Spy Hunter was supposed to be made?
1: Uh, yes, I think it looks like Spy Hunter was cancelled, and then he went on to make Death Race.
0: <laughs> he had all these great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Pumped them all into Death Race. Oh, God. I,
1: I hate thinking of Jason Statham as, like, what happens when <laughs> when Dwayne Johnson drops out. Because I feel like Jason Statham is, is at the same level, maybe? No, I mean, I guess not. He's not.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I personally like him better, but... I think yeah, I think he's great, wise.
1: but yeah, I I don't know that he's done anything that's hit the same levels as like Jumanji. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What was the best or the most recent big movie he was in, other than like that movie with Dwayne the Rock Johnson? What the fuck? Okay, we're, oh, we're talking circles. Hobbs, now. <laughs> he, yeah,
1: he was shot. He was in The Meg, which I heard was good.
0: Oh yeah, The Meg. I was thinking all the way back to like In the Name of the King or something. Oh
1: my god, no, you're that's going back like. 13 years is that that old oh
0: my god yeah okay
1: yeah no in the, Name the king was 2008 oh, that's pre expendables that's pre crank high voltage which is another modern masterpiece
0: oh my god is it really oh, well the nurse hasn't swung by to give me my pills today <laughs> so that's that's why i can't remember time
1: and i heard good things about spy the one with Milsa mccarthy
0: Never oh that was that actually one. very funny yeah and that's what i've heard a lot. yeah well, we've, we've completely derailed. Any final <laughs> thoughts on <laughs> Evil 2? That was the, the
1: movie-off podcast. Snuck that one in again.
0: <laughs> we, we managed to do that at least every three episodes, I think.
1: I, I have nothing else on this.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, I You have a game guess, you played. Yeah. I was just pulling up my notes and stalling for time. I played Narita Boy. Um, It's... I don't even start these segments anymore. Narita Boys started off as a Kickstarter game, and it was actually very lucrative. It's a, it's a very much one of these sort of leans super hard into retro 80s vibes. Um, you could probably assume that just by the name, but if you saw the aesthetic, you'd be like, oh my god, yeah, it leans in super hard. Um, it, it doesn't do it in a shallow way like a lot of games do, um, but I guess I'll start with the story first. So. The story is, there's a, you're in a game or a computer. <laughs> this is really hard. I haven't... So, all right. So, I'll start this off by saying I haven't beaten it, so the story hasn't come full circle. Basically, you're sitting at your desk as a kid, and you get sucked into a computer or a game. It's not clear if it's the computer system or the game, because the vernacular the game uses is very much like... Computer terms, but the kid's playing a game at the time. Anyway, maybe this isn't important to the story at all. And it, what's, What is important is the trichroma. The trichroma <laughs> are the, the, the three colors inside this computer game world. And you're going through, and everything <laughs> is these three colors. Um, but anyway, they, it has this very retro like VHS vibes. It even has like a, a VHS filter that you can turn on and off. Um, and you're in this computer world and you're supposed to be the savior of this computer world and it's got this super nostalgic sort of 80s simple story where you're just a, you're just the cool boy saving the world and you're riding around on your floppy disk surfboard and you you got your your mechano mount and all this different stuff um, but in reality like it's it's not super kitschy it doesn't come off that way it it actually is very stylish and like the the, the way that the story in the game plays out it's a bit on the darker side so I'm, I'm sure you've played these games these days where mm-hmm. they try and lean into this 80s aesthetic and it's just like oh you remember VHS tapes oh <laughs> you guys like you guys have heard like the music from stranger things right well we got that too <laughs> it, it's not it's not really like that it, it, it very much feels like its own thing. Um, while still leaning into a lot of those vibes but also um, diving diving a little bit deeper Um, the music goes along with it very well i thought that was one of the better things in the game Um, but my the the best thing about the game is absolutely the biomes Um, it's it's a side-scrolling action-adventure game, no RPG elements whatsoever. So you're in combat a lot, but you don't get, you know, level ups and stuff. You just are beating the crap out of all these things that's called, they're called stallions. They're, they're the red part of the trichroma that I had mentioned before. So you're trying to save, essentially, the other two parts of the trichroma, like the Yellow Kingdom and the Blue Kingdom. Or whatever and those three each of those three have very unique biomes and i ate that shit up with a spoon they look so cool in this game the the yellow one is essentially like this giant desert which in pretty much every game i play the desert uh biomes are my favorite um and then you go on to the blue one which is like uh, this derelict techno city on the outskirts of the capital and it looks super cool and then the red world is essentially this this ruinous bad land so it's sort of is like subtly throwing back to a lot of you know these all these old tropes from a lot of 80s movies that you'd see like Mad Max obviously comes to mind where you see a lot of desert and bad lands and you know is it kind of like major a, a
1: different trope per different trope per area
0: yeah pretty much but they (laughs) i will say that the way they did it it was so fucking sleek um it was one of the better instances of this aesthetic being done in video games um like the the blue derelict techno city was like you had rain constantly and lightning so it was like it had the blue filter, obviously, but also everything that sort of goes with it. It looked really sharp. It didn't just look like, you know, a, a 2D game that had those effects. It, it it had its own vibe, whereas like the desert very much had its own vibe and the Red Ruin had its own vibe. It, they did a good job of keeping all of these biomes separate from each other and feeling unique music aesthetic etc etc etc
1: the the visuals are like the screenshots i remember seeing and the um the couple of gifs and stuff i saw posted seemed made everything looked a bit more dreamlike or like kind of a little bit more removed from reality than you'd see in most retro inspired side scrollers
0: yeah yeah i think a lot of that is by default it has that vhs filter so it mm-hmm. has that little like graininess fogginess to it with the, like the Sort of sampling, always moving around and stuff on the screen, um, so that definitely lends to a bit of a dreamier uh, vibe. Cool. Um, yeah. So, I guess I guess the three main aspects of the game are really the the exploration, the puzzle solving, and the combat. So, the the exploration. Is cool. There are some certain things you could find um, that will later on unlock like a, one secret part to the story. What you're really doing in this world is sort of unlocking the creator's memory. So there's this guy who apparently created this whole world and he now has amnesia because, you know, there's an interdimensional portal or something. And so you're you're going around restoring all of his memories, and you can find like little secret, uh, secret snippets that add add more detail to the story. Um, but the exploration, other than that, isn't isn't that deep. I, I found it to be a little bit annoying at times because it's very much a retro style action action adventure game, and that you have to find keys on one entire side of the map, and be like, oh fuck, where did I? where did I need this key for? And oh. so you just have to re- retrieve or re- traverse like 80% of the map again and be like, oh, here it was. I remember this, I guess. <laughs> so, and that's that's the other part that leads right into the puzzle solving. A lot of the puzzle solving is just finding these symbols, and you always need these three symbols for these teleporters. So you'll find the, the, the symbols, and they're impossible to remember because they are all these random shapes. It's not just like blue A, you know, red... <laughs> be stuff like that it's just like blue three dots red baseball plate stuff like that and it's like i don't okay so i literally have to write this down like that's that's annoying so you go and and they're always like in the same room too it's like i i I see them all right here it wasn't hard to find now i have to write them all down because i'm not going to remember them right and then i go two rooms over and be like okay all right i got this um
1: that's, like, something you would have found in an old platformer. Yeah. like, forcing yeah. you to actually have to write shit down.
0: Yeah. Like, that was cool, but also it was the same shtick over and over again. Like, right. every, every single one of the worlds did the same thing. It was like, oh, I'll go two rooms over to this room I clearly haven't been to. And, oh, here are all the symbols on different walls or something, but in the same room or in the same area, generally. It, it, it felt a little bit lazy on the puzzle side. It felt a little bit lazy on the exploration side. Um... But the combat is pretty strong. There's a really diverse set of enemies in the game. Um, that being said, you tackle a lot of them the same way. Basically, just dodge, attack from behind, dodge, etc., etc. Later on, you'll you'll do a lot more aerial stuff. You, you'll end up getting a lot more moves where you can do ground slams and stuff like that. Um, but... Yeah, the combat really felt good a lot of the time. Sometimes it could be very frustrating, sometimes sometimes it just clicked, sometimes <laughs> you just juke you just juked a guy and you're backstabbed him and all this stuff and it felt really good. Um, one one other part of it is that there are three three aspects that you could become in the middle of combat. Okay. Based on what your enemies are, you could become one of the three trichroma elements, essentially by holding down one of the parts of the joystick and you just charge up, become blue. And suddenly you were blue aspected and you could do more damage to blue guys, but blue guys did more damage to you. And the, the only annoying thing about that is, is that they're not actually blue guys. They're just red guys, but with, you know, a blue hat on essentially. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it was like sort of a half cocked mechanic. I, I, I found that I didn't usually deal with it most of the time. Because just charging it up left you susceptible in fights, and, and then, yeah. <laughs> but it's <laughs> so a nice idea. With, yeah, you end up losing half your health trying to do what you could have done easily without any aspect. Yeah, you got you got special powers and all that stuff. It it, it seems like it was like really well concocted, but not not the perfect ex- execution um, as far as combat. Um, And then the platforming, it it, it was platforming. I actually thought it was well conceived because you can do that like drop, like immediate drop down while in the air. So you didn't have to like time your jumps on a platform and then slide off or all that stupid shit. You could like leap over and then hit down on the D-pad and just plummet right to the platform. (laughs) That felt really good.
1: This is sounding like a, a game I really need to play. This sounds way, way right up my alley.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it. I think you'd like it. I think I rambled about the biomes and audio <laughs> to to very little, uh, very little sense. But I think it's very aesthetically pleasing, um, and you would enjoy it.
1: it. It sounds like it's just the right amount of complicated, and just I mean again the that key system aside, it sounds like it's got just the right amount of stuff going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a game that if you stop playing for a week and jump back into, you wouldn't forget everything you knew about the game. I, I didn't play it for maybe three days, and I jumped back in, and it was like, oh, yeah, I, I have, you know, the the ground stomp and the uppercut and all the all the stuff that you would expect, and it, it just gelled really easily.
1: That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to play this, because this sounds i'm always a little wary with team 17 releases because they're kind of all over the map
0: yeah yeah sometimes they're like very much casual games and then sometimes they actually publish publish some really unique gems and i think Narita boy is one of them
1: and sometimes they publish weird worms games that (laughs) they're still trying to make money off that series
0: (laughs) god i know they did like a lot of those like three-star casual games for a while and that's sort of what i knew them from like baseball in the face and stuff like that.
1: that is that a game that came out
0: tennis in the face that's what i was thinking of have you never heard of it
1: no i have not heard of tennis in the face
0: oh it's just like a one of those popular like physics ricochet based games where you can get three stars if you knock the shit out of people in a certain amount of tennis balls or something like that
1: oh okay I guess. I mean, they also published Yoku's Island Express, which I still maintain is one of the best games ever made. So, yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> you know, they start everywhere, or you got to start somewhere. They start everywhere. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also published. It's very uh, hot in here.
1: <laughs> they also published uh, Blasphemous and Moving Out. Ah, uh, so interesting. They've got a pretty high, uh, pretty high end Naruto. So that's four games that we've covered that have been published by. Uh, yeah. Published by them.
0: There was another uh, sort of cyberpunky game that I really liked that I'm pretty sure they published. It was a top down shooter that I can't remember the name of now, but it was it was it was like a roguelite top down shooter and it was actually a blast. I still go back to it from time to time.
1: I don't know what that would have been.
0: Oh, it's super it's super purpley. It like it leans into the the, the whole like overseer and like climbing this giant corpo building. Over time. It's, it's cool. If you can figure out the hell I'm talking about, play that game.
1: <laughs> oh shit, they also published King of Seas, which is a game I was considering from an upcoming episode.
0: King of Seas? Yes, King of Seas. It's a pirate game. Oh, didn't, didn't even bother differentiating from uh, Sea of Thieves, huh? <laughs> it's a good pirate game.
1: So they differentiated themselves quite a bit.
0: Oh, interesting. The hot takes are coming. (laughs) Hot takes (laughs) are coming.
1: It's finally time. Finally time for me to jump into the ring on that one. (laughs)
0: Uh, It is. Um, Closing thoughts on Narita Boy. I was surprised I liked it so much. I had sort of heard it had gotten mixed reviews. and That's what I heard as
1: well, which is why I was excited to hear what your thoughts on it were.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think what I alluded to before is this game. A lot of times, felt like it was made for me. Like, if this game had RPG elements, it probably would have been pretty close to a ten out of ten for me. (laughs) But, but um, yeah, it 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 was way better than it people made it sound. Um, I I was surprised by the the production value. I thought it was just a ham. I thought it was going to be a ham-fisted sort of cash in on the this whole you know cyberpunk wave are kind of going through now but it was very clearly a passion project that a lot of people took their time on and didn't didn't nail it out of the park on everything but there's there's a lot of good and unique to this game that makes it worth playing
1: well i feel like that's probably about as uh as good of a review as you can get
0: yeah yeah i'll say good good on you team that made this game that i forgot the name of good on you (laughs) (laughs) um
1: Studio Koba.
0: Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay, so we haven't ranked any of our three games from this year. And also, we've only done three games <laughs> until June. Uh, we got to start cracking them out. We're bad, yeah. We're going to have to work on that. Okay, so we got to rank all three games that we played. Do you remember all three games you played in the year 2021?
1: I do. I do actually have the, the doc right up in front of me.
0: All right. Why don't you give us a good old ranking?
1: All right, so... At number three this year, I'm giving you Honey Pop Two. At number two, Evil Genius Two, and at number one, half of a Mario game, Bowser's Fury. <laughs> number one, huh? I really like could... that game. Wow! I and you, you let's to talk about it, Loop Hero, which would have been my number one if we had, <laughs> if I had talked about that one because that game's fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> well, spoilers for uh, Tournament of Champions 2022. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think I, I wrote Looper Loop Hero in um, just to save the space, but I think that is my number one so far. Um, I think I'll put Narita Boy at number two, and then The Medium at number three. And honestly, I liked all three of these games, so we're off to a pretty good start for the year. Yeah, this has, been
1: a, this has been a good year. Um, if only Power Washer Simulator wasn't still in early access, I'd be another one right for the number one spot. <laughs>
0: Power Washer Simulator. Yeah. Is, that's probably the most satisfying game you could play.
1: It's surprisingly satisfying, yeah. <laughs> it's a surprisingly satisfying game, all things considered.
0: <laughs> uh, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to with home ownership. I'm going to buy a Power Washer immediately and just hose down everything in the yard. What, probably the yard, too.
1: What you should do, this is what I've done, and, and people who actually know about things are probably going to tell me what I did is stupid, but <laughs> there, you can buy, like... Systems of power tools that all use the same battery. Oh yeah, and that just amazed me. I just, that just blew my mind <laughs> to have like yeah. a power washer and a drill and a circular saw and a wet dry vac that all <laughs> use the same battery.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in that Ryobi ecosystem. Oh, same so with I, me.
1: I got the same ah,
0: same old ecosystem. That
1: thing's fucking uh, great.
0: I'll well, pay pay us Home Depot, but yeah, that I have two batteries and like. 10 power tools and i plan on just buying more of them because they've all been great honestly yeah why are we, why are we shouting out Ruby? give us money
1: <laughs> companies that really need shout outs like <laughs> Ryobi and Old Depot.
0: well they'll, they'll be out of business soon without us
1: yeah yeah well, if the price of wood doesn't come down or something
0: oh yeah that's that's crazy 300 percent increase i don't even want to get into it yeah well, i've been your co-host <laughs> Brent. <Brandon. laughs> any closing thoughts today
1: uh, no, I got, I got no I got no thoughts today, man. I, I'm not thinking about anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that that's summer heat.
1: <laughs> yeah, that summer summer in Connecticut really heats you <laughs> up.
0: That's oh, the humidity it gets to you, man. Got to get that dry heat. Got to get that dry man, heat. Man, if
1: I was outside ever, I, I'd probably agree with you.
0: <laughs> All right. I think this has been episode 48.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure it's 40. I think that number's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter, which we sometimes post and retweet things for. Yep, sometimes. Uh, mostly just follow us on all the different podcast things. Yeah. I think Stitcher, we're, we're kind of successful on. Follow us on Stitcher, but then also go follow us on Spotify. I expect each and every one of you to follow us on at least 10 different platforms. That'd be, that'd be swell.
1: I saw someone interact with them on Twitter recently that they were saying that they don't like it when people ask them for five-star reviews on podcast apps. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go in the opposite direction and say that I don't think any of you out there have the balls to give us a five-star review. (laughs) You're all a bunch of weirdos who don't even know how to operate those websites, let alone give reviews on them. (laughs) Prove me Uh, wrong, dinguses.
0: This is already working on me. I'm, I'm logging in <laughs> right now to Apple Pods. I don't want to be a dingus. you want to be a dingus, Andy? You gonna you gonna stand for that? Your own words. I don't know. I'm
1: I'm kind of afraid of that guy. <laughs> you, sh-
0: you shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay, we'll do all those things and more. I've I've been your co-host, Brent, aka Arcadia, uh, and I, I've been Andy. Done?
1: a.k.a. Salataka. It's, it's been a great time though. Yeah, thanks everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>